My friend got a dog and called it Ocarin, but every time he talks about Ocarin, he pronounces it wrongly, and it really winds me up. I know he listens uh, to this as well, so hi, Nick. Love you. <laughs> I, I got chewed out once at an anime convention. There was a guy I was going with, and I was dressed up as, uh, as Itachi from Naruto, and I called it Akatsuki. And, like, two days in, he just exploded at me. He's probably not listening. If, if he is, hi, Zach. How are you doing? We haven't talked in, like... <laughs> We haven't talked in like twenty years, so that's kind of weird. He doesn't. Um, he's, he was like, he's like, it's like, it's like Hotsky, and he was just, he was just like, he was like red faced and just like tired, like tired of my shit. <laughs> I, I get better, get genu- better, Otaku. Genuinely, Nick started listening to this podcast, and he stopped talking to me so much because he's like, I just listen to you all the time. I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> I was like, Cheers, man. I love you too. <laughs> Which was sweet. Like, I yeah, uh, <laughs> I was quite happy that somebody. Listened. I mean. I mean, I honestly think that there is very little that our podcast could could have as a compliment more than uh, I get the full dose of Andy through the podcast. So I don't need to talk to him anymore. Uh, that's yeah. clearly not my case. We talk all the time, Andy. But, uh, <laughs> but federally approved dose of Andy. <laughs> Minimum daily value of Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Finn Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hey, hey, hey. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. I had three people vet me beforehand that we are covering the end of the fall 2021 anime season, uh, even though some people tried to sabotage me. So yes, this episode we are... Co- what? Winter 2021. No, it's not. Winter 2021 is <laughs> the beginning. Why are you doing this? <laughs> That's not even a joke. It's just gaslighting me. <laughs> say, normally it's Andy who tries to sabotage. Well, we're going to be talking about the, about the fall 2021 anime that we watched, including some of the more weirdly placed ones like Agretzko. And I guess we're technically talking about like maybe Heike again a little bit so that Duncan and I can gush one last time. <laughs> uh, so to start... Let's go ahead and talk about The Odd One Out, season four of Agretzko on Netflix. It's 10 episodes, right? Who here watched it? Uh, I think all of us watched it. Everyone. Yeah. Duncan didn't fill out the spreadsheet, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm mostly not efficient enough for our resident hider, Jeff. I, I mean, Duncan, I didn't fill out the spreadsheet. Jeff did it for me. That's how, you, that's how it works. <laughs> Okay, I just got sent down a rabbit hole of what what character am I if if, if our podcast is is a Gretzko because I don't like I don't like where that's coming out. Uh, I hope I'm not Finico. I think I might. Be oh, you're definitely Finico. <laughs> Last season when she was when she was putting on the VR and she like got like weirdly uh, sucked into the VR. I love Finico. So, one of the best guys. Finico spinoff, please. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, to 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 just quickly summarize, this season saw um, Haida the hyena co-worker of Agretzko trying to like make some big plays in his life romantically in terms of his crush on Agretzko and professionally in terms of trying to Hmm. have his presence felt more in the company. Uh, And that is paralleled uh, along with a lot of other characters just kind of dealing with change and struggling to, uh, I don't know, struggling to, 
to understand that if the company's changing, how does that change them? Yeah. Uh, and Andy, I know that you just loved it. So yeah. why don't you let's start <laughs> on a positive note? I liked it too, but I don't think I liked it as much as Andy did. I mean, I think I had trepidation when I heard there was a fourth season because the third season was fine for like an idol sort of a show. A bit was very vote to sort of other animes that Satoshi Kon has made. <laughs> um, uh, but Look, Andy, we can't stop making anime just because Satoshi Kon made a really good movie about it. <laughs> no, but it's it, like, as a person who watches a lot of idol anime, it's a really common theme. People, That's true, they, that's true. They get popular, people then start stalking them, and then they stop. Like, that, is, that is, I think yeah. that even happens as a subplot in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Zombie Land Saga. Is okay. it not? Pretty sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I would be stunned if Zombieland Saga did not have a stalker subplot in it. I don't remember it because I have a weird vendetta against Zombieland Saga now. I, just didn't, I don't understand I didn't. why. It's great. <laughs> but the problem is that Gretzko is not an idol enemy. Well, yeah, it's not. But I, I was kind of like at the point where I was heard of the season four. I was like, well, how can they continue this? Because now everyone knows Gretzko and everybody knows... Who she is, what she does, the fact that she sings death metal, etc., etc., and you're just like, there's, there's nothing, nowhere you can go, and so rightly, what they decided to do was focus on the business that she is somehow still employed at, um, <laughs> and I thought that you know they, they did like the other problem I had was it was like you can't just reset back to zero again at the beginning, at the beginning of the next season, which they did in season three, which I thought was insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I felt agree. I felt that like season four they actually had changed. So Ton Chan got fired in season four for the things that he did in season three, um, which was interesting and cool mm-hmm. that he actually left and had a real sort of breakdown, as it were, as to his job and to his relationship um, with his family, and then the way that all got resolved was a. And then, you know, Haida tried to actually make a move on Retsuko finally. And it felt that they were like, okay, we're not going to just reset things. We're actually going to continue the story. And this, I thought that the, um, I thought that the, the way that they did the sort of company restructure was really clever way to sort of mix that up and the formula up. Uh, and I thought it worked really well. I feel that there is some shortcomings, like... Yes, Retsuko did for some reason just give Ton Chan a job back because he felt that it was she felt it was her fault. She is kind of like always right, and I also felt that like the ending was kind of silly when she was. Um... Actually, no, I loved the ending. I loved it when they went spy mode because <laughs> I was like, it's dumb, but it's a Gretzko, so I'm allowed to give it's, it. It's it's the hyper reality that Gretzko that makes Gretzko charming that it reaches for this like this unreality and extremely grinding workplace setting. I'm kind of upset with you, Andy, that you basically I told you all my complaints about the season and now you are pretending that no, they're your complaints I didn't, about but the it didn't bother me. Like, it didn't, I, I like that. I did like that. You know, she had this issue that she feels responsible for firing Ton Chan, and so she actually went and did something about it. But the way that she went about it was basically like start making her own brand again big. And making it so that Ton Chan now has a job and a role that she provides. I thought that was really clever and I thought it was really good. He, they could have just left him to rot. They could have just chucked him out and yeah. be like, you know, you're on your, fo- you're on your ass. But I, I don't think that's sort of like the Sanrio way of doing things. It's, you know, like no. 
It, and I actually really like the way they did that. I also, you know, my only real complaint is that there's like next to no death metal. There's next to no singing. There's like three in this season. And I felt that was quite of a shame. That's the only problem yeah. I have. Yeah, I, I agree that at this point, it doesn't necessarily make sense for Agretzko, like the premise of Agretzko, her as an unchanging character in the Sanrio stable mm-hmm. is that she is a, a 25-year-old office lady who is just doesn't have a very good job and needs a stressful outlet. And at this point, like, I do think that, like, the biggest problem with season four, and you alluded to it, is just, like, Agretzko's not wrong at any point. She is just, she is actually the arbiter of, like, moral correction. And even when she does, like, give Ton, like, uh, Director Ton his his rollback, like, it is because, like, it is about her maintaining the, the moral high ground in the situation. And it is frustrating to to see Hyda compromise himself so thoroughly in in basically doctoring the books. And meanwhile, Agresco building a team of people to like sabotage her coworker and the CEO of her company is seen as is is just really depicted as at at best a necessary corrective uh, to the things going on and at worst as a goofy heist hijinks. And I don't say I'm not saying I didn't enjoy that, but it is like I think Agretzko struggling with the moral difficulty of her position and the fact that she's compromised by being an office lady without a lot of power with the sexism of the world against her. I think that was missing from season four. And so while I liked the events, I felt like I knew less about Agretzko during this season than I ever have before, oh. including the idol season. But did you not feel that the situation that Fenico and Agretzko got into um, with the new boss is just another play of power harassment. It's just another way of bosses abusing their co-workers, but this time sort of under the veil of it being drinks and, you know, them getting so drunk they can't even remember what they said. I also think yeah, it's, no. it's worth mentioning I that... I agree. Agretz- like, everybody was saying that Agretzko didn't need to save Tonchan. Everyone was saying that. Everyone was saying, no, Tonchan got exactly what he deserved, and you do <laughs> not need to feel bad about what you said because it was coming to him he is a bad person he is like he was a piece of shit to you why do you feel that you're relevant why you feel that you should be saved but you are forgetting the iron law of anime and that is that human (laughs) bonds are good and that people are bad because they do not have friends and then once ton became friends over the period of the last couple of seasons because they started showing his more human side you got to see his family you get he then becomes human and thus worthy of redemption and so he must be redeemed you know as per you know what you're always going to see and the fact that the i i I quite like this season i like that it focused on haida i like that it change the dynamic by taking the company from being sort of a stereotypical like post bubble, you know, disaster to, you know, having, you know, the slick new CEO taking over, modernizing things and he's got an MBA. He's yeah, got an MBA. He knows how to how to streamline. And like taking his employees seriously, like a lot of the things like especially if you know if you if you've worked in a tech company like the things that you know the the toxic dynamic that's different from like the old way of doing things but is still exploitative and 
Haida sort of being in a situation where, you know, for the first time that we've ever seen him, he is getting recognition for something that he actually deserves. Like when he is put in charge of the accounting department, it's because he is genuinely improving how things are operating. He has, you know, he's, you know, he's successfully automating a lot of the bullshit that they've been doing that Ton has refused to let him because he's like technophobic and I then, think I will argue about that. It's not, it's not, it's not, I don't want to interrupt you. I don't, it's not necessarily technophobia. I think it's that Tan knows that if you streamline, then, then, then people budget need cuts to be come. Fired. I think he's specific. I think that it's very clear that Tan has been running an inefficient department so that he doesn't have to fire people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only under this new CEO that that logic no longer holds. And, but yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Just, oh, just one very quick <laughs> or not, thing. Never mind. Jeff. I just fully yeah. derailed your, your um, straight of thought. I'm it, sorry. Is, is that <laughs> the the other way you could see it? Is that when you automate things, then fraud becomes easier. Like when someone's not looking at something and you're just trusting the process rather than and having a human actually look at it, then the yep. stuff which happens with Hyder becomes possible in a way that it wouldn't have. But that, with it, that with no time. that. That that doesn't work. You can still fraud it, even if you you can more likely fraud it if it's yeah. not automated. Because but you the, can, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think I think this is about a, a hyper real like yeah. corporate culture change. Like we can't really talk about what would really happen in a company because as as you observed, Andy, Agresco would be super fired like months <laughs> ago <laughs> if, if this was a real company. Yeah. So go ahead, Jeff. But yeah, so the new CEO Himero finding him in a situation and he's finding himself in a situation where the other board members are against him because they don't feel like he deserves it because they're all you know sycophants of the old president and so you know if he has one bad quarter they're going to use it as an excuse to get rid of him and so he feels pressured to pressure Haida to create this like you know bad situation and you could see like you were saying like in the old you know in the other in the previous seasons we see how you know sort of top down very aggressive power harassment works whereas in this one you know it's very passive aggressive you know he builds them up and then he like puts his new position you know makes it you know make basically makes him personally uh reliant on the new ceo you know his you know mm-hmm. is you know the first thing he says to washimi when he meets her is that you know the most important thing for a leader is to know who's going to be obedient and he clocks Haida as being a guy who's desperate for approval, who's desperate for a chance to prove himself and to like personally ingratiate himself to Haida so that he's willing to do these illegal things. And then the rest of the season is about Haida's friends, like pulling him away from that because again, Iron Law of Anime, human bonds are what are good actually. And his and then personal he, friend and his abusive ex-boss. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 he, <laughs> and also Himaru... you're forgetting the fact that, you know, the other thing, which is no one suspects Agretsuko to be the the real deviant, not deviant, but the powerhouse that she is in terms of mm-hmm. getting people and things done. Um, yeah. Yeah, she has, like, the power of being the star of the show and therefore the ability to have a YouTube channel with, like, millions of followers apparently like just completely overnight and the ability to like bring people together to like do this like one last harebrained job to to solve all the problems that's what i loved i love that they brought all the people back together i love that like i i really enjoyed the season i thought it was great yeah i 
yeah, to, to keep from just like postmorting what postmorting what didn't work, um, because I think we've covered that that thoroughly. I did like uh, things I liked. I loved watching Haida um, destroy his friendship with Gretzko out of a desire to preserve it. I think mm-hmm. that was uh-huh. incredibly well observed, um, and it's something that I've done thankfully far in the past. But I think it's it's a universal experience of where you value someone's friendship, but you don't understand why, and so you end up like diminishing them. Um, by refusing to just talk about shit, and I thought that was that was stupendous. Um, I do think that like its arc of the slacker getting power and just immediately becoming the most company man in the world is also. I've seen that. I have thankfully never been there because I will never not be a slacker. But uh, but uh, I I've seen it, and it it Gretzko's strengths are in just like even if the situation is unreal the ways that people react to it are very, very real. And I think in terms of that, this season was unparalleled. Mm-hmm. It's not <clears> since <throat> the first season has it, has it been that, that real, but I mean, also the so, whole company strategy is really real. The way <laughs> that they, uh, they, you know, move Ton Chan out into a department that's completely unheard of. Doesn't, no one really knows what it does. And then he just sort of is sitting in a really shitty room doing nothing. <laughs> Like in a shed, in a shed. Yeah, <laughs> and like that is that is really relatable, like super relatable. Yeah. And then no one coming to see him. Similar to like the way that Subane was like, oh, I remember the olden days, and looking at this old picture of them like thirty years ago, and it's just like, yeah, when everyone had hair, which I love. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> everyone had hair. It's so it's the funniest visual gag of the entire yeah, season. Yeah, but, but the way they're like, yeah, we we ne- we always had each other's back, and it was different then. And it's just like the reluctance to let go and realize that. You know, you're no longer a small time company. You're now moving into the middle or big and you need change. Yeah, it it, re- it made me glad that I'd played Yakuza recently because just like <laughs> that sad, that sad nostalgieing over the bubble era was just like to have that perfectly echo how it is in, y- in Yakuza. Just like people like, oh, you could you could call a cab with hundred dollar bills and yeah. everyone was wearing just like flashy suits or gorgeous dresses. And like company training was in Okinawa or in Hawaii just like and it's just it's that's not how the world works anymore and it really characterizes these characters that like when things get bad they just start talking about the bubble era which was is the bubble era it couldn't have lasted so yeah. it is it's beautiful characterization <laughs> yeah. anyway jeff sorry and i also really appreciated how you know it acknowledges that you know unrequited romance is often a two-way street and they have mm-hmm. they, they basically just bully Retsko into admitting that she might have feelings with like gory you know she comes in and starts gushing and she's like oh i remember when i was a child and i could fall in love so easily but now i'm old and <laughs> my feelings are you know are starting to get stale and i guess that's happening to you Retsko. and she's like what it's like oh so what did what what are your feelings uh, uh oh so you are getting old no 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 <laughs> oh so <laughs> yeah. what, so what do you feel uh it was, oh, it's you're getting old. It's so sad. <laughs> but that was that was a beautiful characterization again of like those conversations they have you have at that age. Uh, I like it just manages to still nail everything. Like yeah. all yeah. the real situations, it nails ex- expertly, and yeah. it nails it so well that when the ridiculous stuff comes in, you give it a you give it a pass because it's fun and it's it still works. Um, yeah. Unlike you, Andy, I've never been like they have no more material to go into another season. I guess I was a little bit in the first season, but how many of you have watched the like original web shorts, the hundred uh, episode web shorts? Yeah. 
uh, highly highly recommended, Andy. They're only like two and a half minutes each, I, so you can I, just yeah, burn through a million <clears throat> of them. But um, but there's a lot of stuff there that they have left on the ground that I think they could pick up, even if they weren't going to just continue building out this bigger world um, where maybe there is life outside the company, which is something that I think Agretzko has always kind of like suggested, but in a laughing way, the kind the way that maybe one of your friends suggest something outrageous and then you're like it's a joke it's a joke but they're like there to put it in your brain i think that's definitely what this season is that we could get even even more corporate or the company could disappear completely because now these characters have a relationship entirely outside of work um all the major characters have have friendships or relationships or codependent whatevers (laughs) um that that exist outside of the bounds of the company and so it does make me feel like I'm always happy to see another season because I can't believe this got four seasons on Netflix. This, the, <laughs> I mean, I the stressed out work, stressed out work, work panda. Like, no, no yeah. way. But um, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, they did do the thing that Andy was saying that they hadn't done at the end of the third season, which was just to suplex the new uh continuity back into square one by like and and just like the most in your face jokey way possible of like you know the new president's you know the president's back everybody's rehired you know haida's gone now but they were just like everything is up back to zero fuck off i don't think is haida gone yeah 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 and i'm pretty sure ton chan's gone too i I don't think they reset it all totally back to zero okay yeah but like haida's definitely gone yeah, okay, so uh, from so, the company, so anyways, suggest... they're, they're actually dating now. Apparently, is is yeah. suggested in I, the I didn't, like I didn't get that. Okay, oh, I, well, I mean, like there, there's like a, there's I a post sleep during the ending. I don't there's, know. A, there's <laughs> a post credit bit where they like they yeah, Resco uh, and Haida meet up uh, outside of work, and then it shows that Haida. Actually, there's there's one real really great moment. Sorry, I just wanted to go back. Earlier in the season, Haida sees Resco's old boyfriend. What's his name? Tadano, oh, donkey guy. Tadano. <laughs> yeah, Tadano. Like she like he sees him on TV because he's kind of like an Elon Musk kind of stand-in character. And he's just consumed with like self-loathing and jealousy. Yeah. And yeah. there is another scene right at the end where he and Resco are meeting up after work. Uh it's after he's left the company and he sees Tadano on the TV and he's just like, he's a good guy. He's a you know, he's a he's a good guy. He's no longer like comparing himself to this other guy, you know, who's simultaneously, you know a guy who has achieved everything that Haida wanted to achieve, but was denied. And also somebody who had, you know, who had dated Retzko and who had his heart broken by Retzko, you know? So he's like, you know, he's managed to like overcome this, like this complex that he has had that was driving him through the whole season. And it was, it was great. It was very nice. I just, I don't think Haida felt that he like wanted everything that he had. I just felt that it was more that, he didn't he was such an incredible person and Gretzko dated the most incredible person in the world and dumped him so what chances does Haida have going out with the I think you're agreeing I think you're literally agreeing so (laughs) (laughs) that's my opinion I don't know I I I liked that scene too like the arm wrestle like challenging your your would-be girlfriend's (laughs) ex-boyfriend to an arm wrestle 
you've already lost, bro. But uh, oh, but it's it was very so real. Good. It was no, so and he gets, good. And he gets destroyed. I know. <laughs> and it was beautiful. He's which so happens. Like... Real real talk, listeners, never challenge challenge someone to an arm wrestling. They will destroy you, and you will feel worse off about whatever you challenge them about. Like it, it always happens. It's not but, just a media trope. I think. But it, it's just like it's like the way that that was done. It, he you see him training throughout the whole season. Like all of a sudden, he's training over what like a couple of months, and he thinks he's small enough to like take on someone else. And, I, I don't know, like, it was, it sort of felt like that was Hyder's, like, most desperate pitch to be like, fuck you, I'm better than you. And it it didn't but work. You, <laughs> but you, you think, when, when you have this kind of heady crush that's searching for self-justification, you do lie to yourself and think that, like, well, I'm pretty strong, and I really like her, so that'll make up the difference. And that's not yeah. the truth, and I think that's actually kind of Hyder's arc in the, sh- in, in the season, is that just, like... Being pretty good and then hoping that like really wanting it will make up the the gap between because it's just it's brutal in those early episodes when like everyone he knows is making fun of him for like, well, I got to go. I was happy to walk you home. Got to go. Like just like feeling earnest is not enough to make things happen. And it's it it's really interesting to have like hide to transform into a deuteragonist who who gets to have kind of an Agretzko like arc. And it really. I think ultimately what my feelings about this season will be, will be like, where does Haida go from here? And I oh. hope that I trust Agretzko enough that we'll get to find out next season. Because like, if like, has he just re- reverted to the slacker type? Is he now like a bit more of a go-getter now that he's like had a taste of power? Or like, has he renounced that because of his experiences and how much it's cost his relationships? Um, and I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame the season for ending where it did, but I do want to see more and I'm glad we're getting more. Yeah, I, I would assume that he's following his band. I would assume that's his what he's doing mm-hmm. now. He's he's chasing his band and making that more professional. I mean, I I'm really happy that a show like Agretico is finally, you know, going, wait, we're on Netflix. We don't need to have it repeat continuously. Um mm-hmm. we can actually do something interesting and different with these characters. And people won't be lost because they can just watch it all on Netflix. I think that's really yeah. great, and I am so happy to see what they do in season five. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, brief brief aside, I I'm tired of recaps. I watched the Shirobako <laughs> movie, and like the first five minutes are just a solid recap, and I was just like, oh my god, this is sapping my will to watch this movie. I don't need to relive I, the whole whole two cores of Shirobako, the TV I, show. I quite liked it. In, uh, I mean, Kill to Kill is the best example of that when they start doing it, and then they fast forward it and be like, you can just watch it again. <laughs> Anyway, okay, well, let's go on to uh, Comey Can't Communicate, mm-hmm. the uh, early favorite. Uh, my opinion has somewhat subsided, uh, but who wants to take the lead? Jeff, you want to take the lead on Comey? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so Comey Can't Communicate is a high school romance comedy, kind of screwball comedy as well, uh, about a sort of the goddess of the high school who secretly, you know, because everybody is so starstruck by her has like a massive social anxiety. And the season is just about her forming a friendship with the like comedically average guy, uh, helping her make friends with everybody in the class and doing all of the anime high school stuff up to the classic, 
uh, cultural festival because that's how many that's how far into an, a school year you get when you're doing 13 episodes <laughs> of anime <laughs> and and yeah it's, it's 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 very much just that there's not really a lot of twisted turns there is some nice jokes there is some fun characters and it is very beautifully animated um and i think the most notable thing about it is probably the the sort of mixed media approach they go to it is mm-hmm. they don't go as hard on it as something like sinara setsubo sensei uh they just because so much of the the manga is reliant on sort of you know word panels like pointing things out or you know, filling in the gaps because, you know, the main trait of the ostensible protagonist is that she does not speak. Uh, and they just kind of translate that, you know, or they just not, I should say, not, they don't translate it at all. They just plop it right into the middle of the show and just say, Dude, this, is what, this is what we're doing. And yeah, it <clears throat> is enjoyable. It is not going to change your life uh, unless you really enjoy Najimi and then maybe the like the, the best friend who then you're fucking set. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, if you if you, and who's like, you know, as close as a, as what's going to come to a controversial character, because, you know, she is like a sort of gender nonconforming character who, you know, that only ever really comes up to be a punchline, unfortunately. But she's also like the best character on the show. Yeah, I I am going to First off, thanks for stealing my Sarnas at Spasense comment, Jeff. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bitter about that for the rest of the podcast. Just to be clear, um, we did not like I did not steal that from the pre roll. <laughs> I mean I did. I stole my bits. <laughs> I, I don't believe you, Jeff. Uh i I must have said it at some point and you stole it from me. Definitely. Uh we can't have the same intelligent thought. That's not how a podcast works. <laughs> but uh But no, so I'm probably gonna come on record in a way that's not ideal for Asana Najimi, because I do agree that she is introduced as a trap joke. hundred percent. Just like law last year, I was a boy. Now I'm a girl. Um, but I still call myself a boy if it's personally convenient for me. Um, and like there is, there are a couple instances of a joke where like law, someone's attracted to this girl who's not actually a girl, but otherwise I've, it's hard to militate against that because there's the whole like the whole thing of just like a lot of media struggles with making messy queer stories, which a lot of queer stories are because it's it's messy being queer or I understand it from people I've known and just like reading. But also at the same time, like Najimi is just like this, the stealth main character of the show yeah. and honestly gets more characterization than Komi or Tadano or any other character. And Frankly, like the last episode is ridiculous because I would say that 60, 70 percent of the skits are Najimi skits where like Komi and Tadano, the core friendship and romantic relationship that we see just get to be appearing characters. Um, but I do like I do like how the show treats Najimi as a person. I do think Najimi is extremely funny. I feel she's at this point somewhat overexposed um, and. <laughs> The joke that she is friends with everybody in school, while great characterization and great at making her like feel like a legitimate character, is also just like one joke. I don't know. I have I have complicated feelings. And I'm not going to distinguish myself discussing them, <laughs> but I do I do a very com- I do like Najimi. I like the the core trio of like this guy, this girl, and the friend who really wants him to fuck. Um, <laughs> because again, just like a Gretzko, I've been there. I like it better when it's. Uh, 
uh, Onemine, the like chill older girl with the two mm-hmm. moles, who's just like, hey, I noticed that Comey's getting jealous because I'm spending a lot of time with you, so I'm going to pull back, um, but I'm cheering y'all on. And then like the rest of the show, she's just like helping them get together. We don't get a lot of that in anime, especially romance anime, like the person who's like... The booster. The person who's not like torturing because it's very common to have a character who's torturing a couple because they're not together. But it's rare that we have a character who's just like, hey, I'm going to leave you two alone. Good luck. See you later. <laughs> I, are you guys all aware of the name jokes? Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, Speaking of Sarno Setsu Sensei, yes, Andy, I am, I am well weathered on the name <laughs> jokes. Yeah. Like there's okay. not a single character in this uh, show who is not some kind of pun like... Mm-hmm. Onemina is, you know, she's like an older, an older sister archetype. Uh, yeah. Najimi's name literally means childhood friend. Tadano literally, if you say it the other way, Tadano Hito means normal person. Yeah. He gets 50% anything. Komi Shoko is literally the name of the show. Like, yeah. Communication disorder. <laughs> yeah. Disease. <laughs> it makes me nostalgic. I'm so, I'm so excited for these Blu-rays, guys. We gotta do a we gotta do a tween when when the uh Sinus Expo Sensei Blu-rays come yeah. out. I know that only that only Jeff possibly gets to gets to experience that uh that region. Uh, I mean Blu-ray, I was I was but... looking forward I watched that and like if you don't know, uh the Sinus Zetsu Sensei first season is getting a Blu-ray release finally. But after the, like eight years, after eight years wild, of license hell, wild. But yeah. the the amazing thing is is that they're translating every joke, and it. I am partly worried because it feels like I'm gonna have a fucking encyclopedia that I'm gonna sit next to me reading whilst <laughs> I watch the show. <laughs> okay, so so when my friend found out that I hadn't played any Final Fantasies in like middle of of high school, he lent me his PlayStation One, Final Fantasy uh, Eight. And just a guide. And he's like, I'm taking my PlayStation back unless you promise me that you will play this game with the guide open on your lap as you play through it. Because I don't want you to miss anything of this great of this great game. And I do wonder if watching Sinus, if people are going to be tempted to watch Sinus Espa Sensei with the liner notes just open on their lap as they make jokes about this architecture guy whose glasses are kind of annoying or how the uh, the E on the this one baseball team looks like the character for bald, um, which is a <laughs> one of my favorite weird jokes. Like, there's so much in Science that's just insane. I will say that that Comey is at the very least less reference dense, and also apparently Netflix, in addition, in in response to the complaints of nerds, has released a uh, a commentary subtitle track that will explain all of the background gags. Um, if you just want to watch an episode twice. So good for them there. Uh, I always appreciate having a nerd mode. It shouldn't be the default mode, mm-hmm. but a nerd mode should exist, especially for these kind of shows where, like, if you haven't seen Siren Sets with Sensei, um, it takes place mostly in the classroom. Every single cut, there is a different, like, pun or reference joke on the chalkboard, which means that the average episode has around 80, 90, like, background puns it's yeah comey's not that bad no. but um i do enjoy like the weird jokes with comey I, and i wish that there was a better translation i read somewhere that the reason why netflix didn't translate everything is because they literally couldn't with their translation software that they have i don't know how true that is um uh it sounds like a rumor but sometimes rumors are true <laughs> To throw this discussion like back into you know reverse, go back about ten minutes. Um, yeah, so 
we have a gag show uh as we've mentioned like everybody you know every character is basically one joke and as the uh as the show progresses we get you know a little bit more of an insight but for the most part it's a, a very lighthearted, like comedy romance you know it's you you can already tell from like the first scene of the first episode that these two main characters have their destiny written in the stars and they're going to pretend that there is you know a chance that anybody else get in the middle of that but thankfully all the the background characters have a lot of charm if they pick this up because like i mean they could do like another six seven seasons based on the like the the rate that they're going and the amount that they're that exists to uh to adapt like they could make this show for 10 years and still like not catch ups and i mean they yeah. seem to be doing that with baki so i don't know like what their <laughs> plans are but like i think you know i can i can forgive somebody for for like watching the you know this much of the show and going like ah, it's just kind of okay and like i know it's like stupid to be like oh is this this is the show that gets good after 15 episodes but i'm i'm excited for more i you know yeah. having read the sh the manga knowing where it goes i you know i will definitely like be along for the ride because it's it's a very just like comfort food nice show it's never going to challenge um, you it's never going yeah. to make you feel bad i feel that if you were binging this show, then yeah, maybe my opinion would be a lot more negative of it being literally the same joke every time. But as I was watching it week by week as it came out, I actually really just enjoyed like the same jokes, but done differently with different characters. And occasionally they'd produce, introduce some ridiculous character. And I'm like, okay, you're fun. I like you. And then, you know, you never see them again. Or they're always like background characters. Like I, I really enjoyed it. And I do know that it does stop becoming that at a point. And my wife was very upset that her favorite character was not introduced, but it sounds What's like your favorite character, the gal character. Yeah. Um, she's, oh, there's a gal. There's probably a yeah. whole other season before she gets uh, introduced. Yeah. She appears in like chapter a hundred or something, uh, yeah, which like sounds right like a long way year. away. It feels like I'm listening to people talk about a shonen battler now and I get got, like infinite, infinitely tired. I don't want to wait until yeah. the whatever arc for it to get good. Ugh. Well, there are 300 some odd chapters in and they just started the third year of high school. So <laughs> that's more or less what you're what you're describing. Sirens, that's what since they finished in 300 chapters and had a, a shocking revelation at the end. I'm just going to boost the show until I get to... <laughs> Get out of my system with this no, Blu-ray. If, if you're a listener of our podcast and you do not enjoy Sayonara as Setsubo Sensei, I don't even know what you're doing here. <laughs> uh, first, I'm sorry for your bad taste. And second, I'm sorry for me constantly talking about it all the time. I'm a host on the podcast mm. and I've not even watched oh, it. It's just... That was that was the show that made me realize that there's this higher bar, and unfortunately, it's also the show that made me like really picky about comedies. And I have the same complaint for every single comedy I watched this season, which was that we didn't cover enough ground, we didn't use the ensemble right, the premise didn't really like evolve. You'll hear me talk about this with Jahi and with uh, Annoying Senpai too. So going going back to the line notes thing, though, I I also feel that there's a, a fair point to be made, which is like if you don't get the joke. Because it's a reference to Scream and Psycho and all these other things. You just like, I don't need a book that tells me every single joke. I don't need to know that. I don't get well, it. I you, don't didn't, care. you didn't go to grad school, Andy, so you don't have a certain <laughs> constellation of mental problems that I have. I'm sorry. But so. <laughs> I, I feel that there's a difference between that and when there is comment boxes on the screen that are not translated. That's yeah, intensely annoying. Yeah, that's true. And and that was yeah. the big problem with Komi-san. And it's annoying that 
I like the biggest complaint I have with an otherwise great show is the fucking subtitles. But you watch it on Netflix, and it's the easiest way to watch it for me. So it's mm-hmm. the way I'm going to watch it. And they do a shit job at translating it. And every time that Claire Takanaka, whatever her name was, at the end, I was like, "You've done a terrible job, Claire." I don't like you. Uh, she's probably paid terrible and not yeah. supported. Oh. So I, I'm yeah. not, it's not Claire's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's oh, I know. I know. Yeah. Claire, if you're a listener, we, we support you. Andy is just yes. being silly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Solidarity now. Solidarity forever. Yeah. Do you think they sold it as having more emotional strength than it actually ended up having or not? Uh, define they. Uh, Netflix in their trailers. Uh yeah, agreed. They they sold it. They sold it as a love story, and it, it's a comedy. It's a love comedy. These are these are different stories, uh, different genres. I think fully, hundred percent. I think the 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 anime community also who immediately saw oh social anxiety that, that's that's a serious thing, and this is going to be a serious show, and it's not serious mm. in the slightest. Really? And what? oh yeah, Andy, Andy, look at the the anime news network preview review where they talk about like it feels bad to see like a real mental disorder being used as the fodder for a joke andy's got a face i get that complaint also like (laughs) chill out i don't know (laughs) let's get me hate mail for the first time ever i mean i mean then people shouldn't be watching that uh what's that show about the kid who has autism who likes penguins fuck felt like it was exactly the same type of thing but that was also really funny and well done what is that show called it's really pissing me off penguin asymmetrical anime it's not an anime it's a live action oh penguin show this is not going to be a good google pingu no penguin (laughs) maybe Anyway, anyway. Atypical. Actually, Googling Autism Penguin Show did come up with Atypical. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to get so cancelled for the show. Oh. Also, Watamote already exists, and so we don't need to have another yeah. high school comedy about <laughs> social yeah, anxiety. This is better than Watamote. No. What are you talking about, no, Andy? Not, what not are you talking about, Andy? Close, Andy, sorry. What? I are think you, it's better. What? I liked it more. I like the characters more than Watamote. I but you're not supposed to like. You're not supposed to like. <laughs> Fine. I liked. I. I can have an okay. opinion. No, 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 no. We're losing. We're losing trade. I do not want to be tagging this anime later and this this episode later and have to put Watamote as something that we argued about for like ninety seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Refuse. I got nothing else to say. What do you guys? Anything else? Should we move on? Um, um I I liked uh, Onemine. I liked uh, Chill Ditsy Girl Otori. Um. I didn't like the like S and M dog girl. I thought she had potential, and they did not realize it with her. I don't like the fire, the fiery girl. She sucks too. Oh um, no, I like the fiery I'm, girl. I really no, like she sucks. Uh, <laughs> I don't don't like the Chuni girl. I'm tired of Chuni jokes. They need to like retire <laughs> yeah. them for two years, and then they can come back, and I will enjoy them again. Mm. Um, Chuni Bio really Chuni love to koi or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> I like not yeah, not, but I you know like talking about the the same <laughs> gag that they did. I like the way that Komi took her completely seriously. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Like yeah. the way that most people are usually used to it and just ignore her or like it don't bother talking to her, and then she's just like I don't know. She wants my blood. What do I do? <laughs> just doesn't know how to react. I thought that was really funny and well done. Like. 
I mean, it's all the characters, like the characters, all each character's one joke is extremely funny. Yeah. I just yeah, like they advance the plot, like they advance like Comey being able to talk to people and Comey being more aware of the fact that she has that she has feelings for Todd and not just not just him helping her make friends uh, a lot in the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. And I wish that there was a more even arc, but it's so hard for these shows to go away to these love comedies to move away from their central gag. And we'll be talking about this again with, with annoying senpai and with hopefully we won't talk long about Jahi since no one watched it, but me <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. now that I've made myself sad, maybe we should quickly jump onto Jahi then. Okay. Um, Jahi is four episodes of good content in a 22 episode series or 20 episode series. The end. Um, <laughs> the ensemble characters are funnier than the main character. Uh, her brat routine runs dry six episodes in and there's 20 of them. Um, we never, when you have an ensemble, I'm sorry, I'm just <laughs> going to be drunk and angry on this podcast. When you have an ensemble, it's not enough for every ensemble member to act interact with the main character. They have to interact with each other too. And it can't be while the main character is watching them interact. I want to see a real ensemble with real characters. I want to see them recombine in interesting ways. And if you have 20 episodes and all the scenes are just either people with Jahi talking about Jahi or people not with Jahi thinking about Jahi, and Jahi's not that interesting. You failed. Um, Go back to Kobe's side real quick. Like, you know, there are characters. There are exactly that. There's, and that's, like, I loved it when the, like, the clumsy girl and the sister, the older sister, just, like, hang out now. I thought that yeah. was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a big booster for Kobe san A really big booster. I think it was really good. Um, of all, of, of the three, of the three shows with similar structures and similar, and like vaguely similar premises of someone who has some sort of personality defect that makes them difficult to be around, I think Comey is by far the best. And I don't want to, I don't want to make that unclear. The only show that got a star for me, this, the only, the only of these three shows that got a star for me this season was Comey. And I, I do think it is a, a better example of the thing that I'll, I am complaining about with Jockey and will be complaining about with Annoying Senpai. <laughs> the end. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we move uh, also, on? Also, um... Just, just real quick. Uh, I thought. Speaking of characters that should have been the main character, I think that her, Jahi's rival was a lot funnier um, because she made potions that kept turning her into shitty things, and also <laughs> she had she has no moral compass, which meant that she kept being tricked into doing nice things for people to the point where like the like polar opposite of the evil dark lord she's trying to work for like appears to her because she just like helps a bunch of people as a way of like inconveniencing Jahi. I don't know. The end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. That in the bathhouse episode, only funny episodes. The end. Move on. All right. Uh, kings ranking, ranking of, ranking of kings. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ranking of kings is a fairy tale anime about a small boy who is supposed to be uh, the new king, and the machinations of the kingdom conspire against him to seal his throne, and he then goes on a journey of self-discovery to become stronger and make friends and get his throne back. It is probably my favorite show of the season easily. Every character is amazing and I love all of them. <laughs> Basically everybody has facets and your first impression of everybody is almost always either uh like surprisingly undermined or uh like overturned. It is Charming out the wazoo, the art and animation is stunning. It has a very interesting sort of hybrid look. Like I would compare it to like some like a weird hybrid of like Adventure Time and 
and like general <laughs> fantasy anime because it awaits like way more of the characters just kind of like look weird in that like adventure time mm-hmm. sort of like western and like animation sort of way i'd say it's a cross between a doraemon kids show and something like dragon quest feels like the theme that they're going for um yeah i, I would say have, have you have you stuck with it have you watched that's just the nature version of what of what jeff said i feel like. no it's not it's not there's there's okay like, okay sorry you, you look at you look at the art like at least in the manga art like it's so doraemon it's not adventure time at all the anime has at least what i've seen kind of polished up the manga art a considerable degree um, yeah. It's an anniversary project for its studio, so they've really thrown every mm. dollar they have at it. It's mm-hmm. really well animated and quite beautiful. There's probably, if you really want to drill all the way back, it goes back to like the the very characterful and sort of iconic shapes that someone like Tezuka would have done. Like you yeah, get characters, totally. you get. Yeah. It's like you have a silhouette. You can tell a character by a silhouette. Um, and that's something which used to be the, like the gold standard for that kind of character design. Mm. Like you have to have them instantly recognizable just from any angle or any situation. It's a really cute art style. It's and as 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 Jeff Jeff said, part of the genius of it is that how you immediately see them and that that outline is almost always undermined further on with them doing something completely different, but not it's, out of character. Yeah. It's like my I'm 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 I think I've, I've said before I'm a, a depend on how you pronounce pronounce it because I've seen it two different ways either healing or jilling uh, uh, Stan at this point. No, it's healing. It's healing. It's Queen Healing. She has healing power, and her name is literally Healing. They've spelt ah. it H I L L I N G because they are slaves to directly translating what the uh, uh, the katakana would say. But her name is Healing. <laughs> okay, I'd seen in in some translations of the ma- manga it's spelt with a J, so that that confused me. We've we've already had this whole thing with uh with Horos Holos uh, yeah <laughs> how you spell that too the manga had to come out and say like yeah we're we're spelling it wrong on purpose because to be more accurate to the katakana but yeah <laughs> anyway and uh, the other like reason that I had made the the Adventure Time comparison is because a lot of the characters are introduced as almost like visual jokes or just kind of like out there gags but then they remain in the world as you know as part of the stable you know world building and they get fleshed out and they get more justified and they get more like more rounded out and they become more interesting and they still have their sort of outlandish design or like mannerisms but it just sort of becomes more satisfying and more interesting and it was actually kind of taken by surprise by the fact that it's not it's it's going to be 23 episodes, I think. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be cool. one core, and then an, the last episode had a new OP, and I was like, what? Is there, is there going <laughs> to be more? <laughs> oh, man, that's a head fuck. A, a new OP on the final episode? No, no, it's <laughs> just he didn't realize and went into the, the start of the second season. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> so, so what is what is it actually about, then? So it's just... So, the, in the world, there is this sort of general idea that they only kind of vaguely allude to that there are kings and they are ranked. And the ranking of these kings is sort of a de facto, like one world government situation. And for a kingdom to raise up in rankings, the king himself has to be rated. And to be considered a strong king, like you have to basically, it's kind of like, you know, like Plato's Republic in that, like the, the king <laughs> imbo- or like fucking. 
Hobbes or whoever it's like the like the king like the the like the kingdom and the king are inseparable and the quality of the king reflects the quality of the kingdom and vice versa and I mean that's almost that's almost like Chinese traditional like mandate of heaven shit also yeah. too and Plato's gamified republic and 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 Boji the main character is he is he is deaf he is completely without any kind of physical strength. Um, he is, you know, his younger brother quickly overtakes him. Uh, he is, you know, pure of heart. He has no, like, you know, he has no guile. Uh, he is, he meets this like strange shadow creature named Kage because, you know, you're just going to name it shadow creature Kage. It's fine. And he, you know, Kage immediately like robs him at knife point and says, give me all your clothes and give me all your valuables. And he's like, here you go. And then he goes home and then he comes back the next day because like Kage, you know, talk to him and interacted with him in, in any way. And so he just like, you know, builds a friendship with this shadow creature by like getting robbed by him every day until the shadow creature sort of feels but, bad about it and wants to go check out who this weirdo is. Did you say that he was deaf? Yeah, he's yeah. deaf. They, there, there is an entire, like they've actually uh, gone out of their way to make like, th- like the sign language is accurate. Yeah. Like the sign language is accurate. You could tell, like you get hints of like who is like, a good person and a bad person based on, you know, whether or not they have, you know, they've bothered to learn sign language to, to, to communicate with him and right. his, and, and we, and you know, as the, as the season progresses, we find out like why his physicality is this way. We find out that his father is not the great King that he is, you know, everybody uh, believes him to be. Uh, and it's him like sort of overcoming these weaknesses, making his weaknesses his strengths, and also you know just making friends with everybody and you know getting everybody on his side. And it's it's just, it's it's a lovely show. It's like it's extremely uh, charming. Like every character is extremely well fleshed out. Like they have like his little brother is like you know a pretty obvious Prince Joffrey parallel that mm-hmm. himself like you know gets you know his comeuppance but also like becomes more human it's 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 wonderful so can i just ask ask real quick so it sounds it, it it sounds it sounds almost like and this is probably the most i'm pitching myself a much better version of whatever anime this is or maybe it is the anime but it does sound like it's a power fantasy but where the power is just like moral rectitude or purity um. if so i no. would is that is that is that is that oversimplifying it i'm sorry um i would oh, i mean we, you know, it is revealed to us that you know his his weakness is not like his weakness is not as a result of his character um it is something that he is inflicted with you know it, it's not a big spoiler to tell you that he is cursed and you know finding out why he's cursed and like how he's overcoming it is sort of the point of the show um and you know it's it, And as what you get with a lot of like sort of like, you know, low key reactionary stuff is the idea that there are kings who are just naturally born leaders who deserve to rule and that upending that order is itself a moral evil. And part Mm -hmm. of what he is doing is rectifying this transgression against the natural order, you know, by reclaiming his throne. Yeah, I'm not sure, Jeff, that it ranking of kings actually speaks kind of positively about the kingdom boss has created it's one where you have the parent stealing the future of his child to found his kingdom on like that doesn't seem to be a pro-monarchy stance to me um but it also posits that boji will be a good king once he takes over 
because of his natural virtue. Yeah, I think that's a that's just a trope of like the divine right of kings, and it's hard for even a, a post king society to get away from that. Mm. I don't know. That's that's my take as a medieval historian. Yeah, it's so. all, all fantasy is inherently reactionary. Unfortunately, <laughs> there are there are good kings, and it mostly actually it correlates strongest to strongest to how long you live. Um, if you make it past twenty years, you will probably be a good king, much more likely than if you died uh, I, younger. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I think like one one thing. I the last thing I'd say is I don't think it's like kings which defines this story. It's it's more myths. It's it's. The one anime which this I would most strongly associate with is Princess Tutu. I think it's mm. not as overtly about the sort of fiction, but that first story Jeff talked about where uh, Boji meets Kage is is basically the Emperor's new clothes. It's him walking through Utan without any clothes and everyone laughing at him, thinking he doesn't realise that, but it's because he's given them away to help someone. Um, which is is and throughout there, there's there's myths which pop up and which are slightly subverted. That's and literally the opposite of the emperor's new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a subversion is, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. Um, it is incredibly wholesome. Like <laughs> that's that's the the one thing we, we can't say enough. It, it's like. Apart from the parts where it goes suddenly dark, um, minor spoilers, it does build up some of these rules Jeff said, like that if someone's willing to learn sign language and to make that step towards understanding Bodji, then they're probably a good person. And we, for a couple of episodes, that that shows up. And then, then one of the people who's learned sign language pushes him into a fiery pit. Mm-hmm. And we're like... Yeah, what the hell was oh. that? And that that's 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 kind of like it it its first big twist. Um, mm-hmm. But then that guy doesn't it, just like go away, or he doesn't just turn yeah. into a villain either. He very much has this internal battle between his obligations and his sense of what a a moral right is, and how his own like strength has allowed him to sort of avoid that question until this point. Mm-hmm. And like I'm, it'd be interesting how they finished it. It's if they even finish it within these two cores, because I think it's quite a long series. But hopefully they'll have an, a, a mm-hmm. conclusion to a satisfying arc within it. The adventure continues. Um, this is going, <laughs> going to 2017. Yeah. I was also going to say, in case this gets cut out, um, I really like the way that uh, it sounds like his sign language isn't used as a disability or used against him at any point that he's deaf it's just a thing that he has and everyone deals with yeah. it i think that's mm-hmm. really nice mm. and yeah like and one of and in general one of the most interesting sort of dynamics that you can have in like a fantasy show is the struggle between doing what's right and doing your duty and i think i don't think it's necessarily like a bad thing that boji sort of like stamps out that contradiction by being the du- you know the guy who it's both you know, your duty and your moral right to to follow like you know he cuz he sort of begins to embody like the you know the idea of a perfect king but that is like also like a tension that exists in the show that is interesting in seeing how these people sort of navigate their conflicting duties and desires mm. sounds good yeah um Cool. Okay, let's go ahead and move on then to Aquatope. This is probably going to be short um, since we discussed like Indeed. 90% of the anime previously. 
Uh, Duncan, how do you feel about this? Or should I take a, take the lead? Well, we talked earlier about uh, how Agretzko likes to redeem its bad bosses. And I think, I know you had a particular gripe about how Aquatote kind of did the same. I was generally happy with how it finished up. I think it was basically the logical conclusion of everything which had happened to that point. There was no surprise to it. None of it was like shocking. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Like we've seen these characters develop slowly over time and they didn't just like do a, a, a stunt at the ends to get a more dramatic ending. It was just kind of letting their, how they had developed come to its natural conclusion. Yeah, it. on the one hand, I really like the final arc of the second core as a depiction of like what you think are these crises in your life are actually moments of transition. And in hindsight, they have a narrative to them that's actually quite comforting. But while you're in the middle of them, they can be scary. They can almost feel like you're losing your mind or your passion. Mm. And I liked that part. But I do think that, um, that the treatment that uh kukuru's boss gives her is i would consider unconscionable in a professional setting um and maybe like at a stricter corporation in japan that's that's a different question entirely but like the idea that like oh he was at a company that fails so he really cares about not failing does not excuse him like hiding his notes for the next day at the bottom of a series of of like training books he's, he's given her or how he sent her into a pitch knowing that the pitch would fail and so just watches her flame out. And at the, at the end of the pitch, he's like, yeah, that pitch was always going to fail. Like, I don't like his treatment felt much a little bit more disproportionate than, like, say, her coworker who is like insecure about having a child and how that affects her, her, mm. her professional prospects. I thought it was just like making an excuse um, and that ultimately the way that they, quote unquote, redeemed him um, by like him thinking that she could do the job. So he just like expected her to do the job and then treated her like shit when she couldn't do the job was not really what I wanted. Um, but I don't think that there is an anime version of Aquatope that would have had Kukuru standing up for herself in a way that did not involve her exit from the aquarium professional space. So it's hard for me to criticize it too, too fully. And I do like the idea that like Kukuru's like, okay, the way I connect with this passion is like hands on fish time is like all I that's all I want that's all I'm good at and that she like learned to appreciate marketing and stuff um I just wish that it, that her like her, the way that her boss treated her was not like ended up being a positive part of this personal evolution to a fuller understanding and appreciation of what of what she did mm. at uh Tingara yeah I, I think I, I, I will cut it some slack just because the first half of the series was so strongly about how all the elements of this magical aquarium she worked in were just accidents waiting to happen. And then the ac- then it all happened and the place is essentially falls apart in this storm. And so it was good that well-wishing and hope and all that was not enough on its own and i think having a character who would kind of if he'd been more fleshed out like i think that's i think the failure is not necessarily in him existing in more in that he you just get told oh by the way his backstory is his aquarium failed instead of like it actually being sort of a full episode yeah yeah 
and it and that just means oh yeah he's he's just an asshole because because of that and and he he just doesn't want the same to happen to anywhere else again and like that that's that's very much tell not show and i think yeah. that that's that's the failing rather than necessarily his his character yeah, especially in a in a scenario where like one of the things about Aquatope that I actually like is like everyone has trauma. Everyone has like a maybe not hundred percent reason to be here and putting in the work. And so just like, oh, your asshole boss, he has trauma too. I was like, no shit. Of course he like I hope he has trauma. Jesus Christ. Um but it but that seemed to be like the beginning end of the conversation there. Mm. And ultimately he's not that like, he's an obstacle, not a person. And that was something yeah. that I'd liked about Aquatope so far is that like the people are people, the weird, the weird girl who's just like a huge bitch to you for no reason. She's got stuff going on and you'll spend literally multiple episodes, like watching her deal with it. You don't get to hate her. And like, I appreciated that in that, in that capacity, how this like girl who seems to be just like a relentless climber actually has like a lot of stuff she's working through and it's on you to be okay with her having that stuff that she's working through. It's not about her getting over her baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just feel, felt like a bit of, a, of an exception. Maybe if it was 26 episodes instead of 25. But who, who knows? How do you make anime? I don't know. When you were yeah. talking about uh, the, 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 you know, the magical things about this uh, aquarium just being accents waiting to happen, I'm just having this vision of like there was a gas leak and that's why everybody has visions of <laughs> <laughs> of like having I mean, magical it's, it's, fish it's, time the ultimate upshot is that magical things happen because everyone there loves their job and that's why like magical things weren't happening at tingara because kukuru is having this kind of sublimated crisis of faith that she makes finds her way through and she realizes that she loves all the parts of an aquarium not just the parts that allow her to like be close to these magical animals that seem to exist in a different world um, but I do think, yeah, there, there is like this kind of thing of like, why isn't it happening here? Was Gama Gama special? And they, they really, they play with that a bit, although I don't think as fully as they could have. Um, but ultimately it comes down to like, you got to love your job to do it well, which is at the, on the one hand, sure. On the other hand, late stage capitalism is I feel, as I feel my response <laughs> to that. Um, it's very capitalism of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's not very cash money. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's too cash money is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of of not very cash money, let's talk about Blue Period. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Sometimes I justify my place in this podcast. I think Blue Period ended up my favorite animation of the of the season. Not and as I think Andy, you know, because he's the other person who watched it. It. It wasn't what a show with particularly spectacular animation. It was pretty workmanlike, but I think that actually, in weird ways, works to its advantage. Because if you're making an anime about fine art, that fine art is always going to be beautiful. It's going to be more realistic, more well worked, more detailed than the actual world itself. And how do you deal with that? How do you deal? that with a character who produces a piece of art and who themselves is a piece of art <laughs> and that, that's a that's a kind of a strange thing to to start with for any show which has to do that any I show mean, about I would art, always you... i would always disagree with that you can always make a show better if there's more production and more money and more <laughs> budget and it looks nicer it will be a better I don't show think that's true well I, th- th- I mean there's there's a famous thing amongst uh a comic ex- artists that you have one style to see and one style to be that 
when you want to project a, a viewer to project themselves into a work, you use an abstract style and you use a detailed style for the world and the objects within it. And so that's part of why abstraction works so well with things like anime and manga and, and just anything which uses that abstract human thing. Because fundamentally, art is about observation and expression. And you observe the world, but you express your emotions. So we we can read a smile from two dots and a line that you can get you can get so that someone's happy from two dots and a line, and that is not a face, and yet it also is a face. And sure, but I'm just saying that your argument your argument that the animation is fine. It it could there was a lot of it could have had more budget and it could have been better that's all i'm saying i just don't agree that you're like well it doesn't matter if there's sure. no budget that feels like what it could have should have though that feels like like counterfactual blue period is about a i think final year uh, student who hasn't yet decided what he wants to do because he hasn't really found a direction in life at the moment he just basically does whatever gets him accepted he's very much a people pleaser if he he knows he has his parents want him to get good marks, so he gets good marks. His friends want him to hang out, so he hangs out. He just does what other people want. And then one day he decides, needs that, oh, wait a second, maybe I should exit. I, I'm, I'm kind of being trite about that. No, so... <laughs> Like it's the end of the season, Duncan. Go go nuts. He's a he's a traditional hard worker in the sense that he is he's a people pleaser and he's very you know, he works hard at what he does and then due to some certain um events he decides to give art something that he's always kind of dosed off, a serious go, and he finds out that he falls in love with it. And it's very much like a underdog story about how uh Yaguchi um what's his name, Yaguchi? I think it's Yaguchi. Yeah, Yaguchi Yatoa. Yeah, Yaguchi, um, Yaguchi sort of attempts to do one of the get one get into uh, Tua, the um, Japanese uh, art university, which is notoriously the hardest thing to get in if you do not want to pay for it. Uh, as a yeah. free ad, 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 free administration is a very grueling exam period and. Uh, only 5% of the applicants get in. and That's what we get told anyway. Yeah, and it is the series is him trying to get into, and spoiler alert, gets into um, university, art, art university. And I think what was really great about it is for a start, you learn about art absolutely loved did so much about art that even when i turned to mids was like did you know about that thing about the shapes she was like nope didn't know about that at all uh so i love that <laughs> i love that there's some learning aspects on art i i love um i i love the way that like you know you people they go to an art show and then one person's like yeah you don't have to like every piece of art that's here just find the art that like speaks to you and enjoy that piece and i was like wow that's really good like that like the amount of times I've been to a museum and been like, I don't, I don't care for any of this. Should I, should I even be here? Like that's, that spoke to me in ways that I don't think a show has spoken to me this season. Mm. Um, I think that that's a good thing to raise Andy. Cause like, I think they, t 
two of his teachers. He has t- his two teachers are Psyche and Oba, and mm. the f- Psyche is very much the she's the old art teacher of the school, and she's yeah. very much about encouraging people to engage with art, to find something in it which just speaks to them, and not to worry about their preconceptions about what art should be. And she sort of guides him into it and gets him to not be afraid of the technical side to just draw and draw and draw and that's what you anyone i'm sure mids did tell you this that the one thing in every anyone who's done any sort of visual art knows is that just practice 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 and and like the moment you stop practicing you atrophy and you get worse and and there's a lot of i can see why they picked like this go-getter this this hard worker as your 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 character for this because just practicing is just an amazing thing if you can motivate yourself to do it and he is able to do that but he was i I thought sayaki was also just the perfect teacher in the way that she wasn't negative but she was just applying what his strengths are which is hard working and the fact that she's just like give gives him a thing being like draw 10 things a day draw this and and you know you'll learn and you know like i think that's just her trying to get people involved in the thing that she loves doing and I thought that was really great of her. What was your point about Oba, sorry? Yeah, she, she, she's the, the teacher in the, the, the art cram school who's helping people prepare for the exam. And she's very much about getting people to challenge and question things about their own work, to look at why they're making it, not the how they're making it. First thing you learn in art is how to observe the world. And we, we see him learning how to get perspective right, how to understand colours. And what the culmination of the show is, is him learning how to put himself into that, into his work. Like he, he has a, this rival. Um, uh, Yotasuke. Taka- Yotasuke. Yeah. Who, who is just this, this natural, natural born artist, just a complete genius. And throughout it, he's, Yaguchi's in total awe of him and just absolutely frustrated that he has to work so hard to get what this guy does just in a flick of a pencil and like his the moment you sort of go oh he, he maybe he's made it is like when in this final exam um um he he he's he sees his work and he goes is this what you were trying to do and, and he's like yes yes yeah. that's what i was doing that was what i was doing and, and like that's such there's such a good moment where someone He's he's wanting to say this thing and 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 someone reads it and, and that, to, like it's that approval of his peers that like really shines through and it and it mm. just made you like him break down and me break down as well like just thinking about that moment yeah. I was like that was such a good bit like and I mm. think the thing I really love is especially those last seasons is him the the thought process going through creating a piece but then also the fact that he is that where, where he is and he's earned it. And that feeling of him earning his success is really, really well done and really well deserved. And I think that's what really strong through, especially in those last episodes when, you know, he's doing these exams and he's struggling, but, you know, he manages to pull through. And, and the, first, the first exam he plays to his strengths and he, does, he doesn't struggle too much. But the second one, he does struggle. And you can really feel that struggle. At least I thought. I, I I just think it's like a perfect ending to it. Is is mm. that this 
perfect understanding because like here we are talking about a, a work and like we're, we're trying to guess what the author's trying to say and i think like anyone who's ever ever done anything even vaguely creative for someone to actually come up to you and say oh yeah were you saying that and it being the exact thing you wanted you were wanting to convey that just feels so good mm, and that was yeah. such a great culminating moment to, to pick for the show I think it's it it's made me want to draw more again, <laughs> which, is, which is which is, is like I think like that's that's a that's a great compliment for any art, honestly, especially uh, visual art. And yeah. then the other thing thing we haven't talked about is uh, Yuji, who is again mm. uh, similar to o- Osanamiji uh, in Komi, is a trans character, <laughs> but is dealt uh, as usual with these trans characters has got a lot worse a card and a lot harder time than uh, the guy in Komi did. In many ways, I see it as sort of like a reflection on what Yata, uh, Yaguchi's going through. As sort of like, Yuji, kind of like Yotasuke, is already quite a accomplished artist. And unlike uh, Yaguchi, who is wanting to be an artist purely of his own volition, you find out eventually that Yuji's wanting to do it because of his auntie being the only person this who... This is gr- his grandma grandma sorry uh who the only person who supports him from his at his home and supports his life as a trans person and then uh kind of has a well does literally have a breakdown through the show with a family like not accepting who he is throwing out all his stuff and it was really heartbreaking like watching that that change in him I mean, like that—the fact that she goes to the first exam, just walks up to her her like her canvas and just puts a big cross through across it and then walks away—is just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a statement and a half. It um, is. I wish they'd delved into it a bit more. They did um, have a, an episode where she, she's run away from home and mm. uh, working at a hostess bar. I think, like, one thing. Yaguchi has to learn is is not just to observe the world but to observe the people around him as well like one of the first things we get as a sign of his growth in, in character and how he actually manages to to persuade his parents to let him go to this art school is is that he 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 notices the calluses on his mum's hands from her mm. her doing all the the housework and stuff and and sort of talks to her about it and the, persuades instead of trying to to persuade her with words like why he wants to do this he he does a drawing for of her which and talks to her about what how what she's sort of like sacrificed for for him and how he he doesn't hasn't always noticed it and and like it was a really sweet moment and i think there's some of that going on with ryuji as well that he doesn't necessarily notice what she's going through like he he sees her her front, like how yeah. she puts herself as very confident, and that's not how she always is. She has her own anxieties, and she wants to do fashion. She doesn't actually want to do fine art. Uh, as someone who didn't watch, and just to clarify for me and my listeners, mm-hmm. uh, like, it, does this character? move between the Ryuji and the Yuka identities or is this a oh. consistent characterization whereas it is someone who was born Ryuji uh trying to pass as Yuka 
with the appropriate it's pronouns. Yuka. Sorry, I, I, don't, I don't really understand <laughs> oh, the, the nature Yuji, of, the, Yuji is of a, the gender is a, expression you, here. You meet Yuji and she identifies as a woman all the way through. Okay. I don't know who Yuka is. Maybe okay. you missed <laughs> Uh, according to the wiki it's it's her preferred name once she is living full-time as a woman i was unsure but it was implied that uh, yaguchi knew her from before she identified in that way and so she he almost always uses ryuji with her even though other characters will refer to her as you by her her chosen name and it okay. seems she doesn't seem offended by that it's just kind mm-hmm. of seems to be something between them um so i don't know i kind of just picked up that because it was the the name which we most often see her referred to because her main interactions are with yugushi mm-hmm. okay yeah thank thanks for clarifying i didn't i didn't understand yeah there is actually an interesting thing in the translation where her gender pronouns change so it does start as a her then it moves into a they them and then it moves back into a her at the end when uh her yuka slash ryuji and uh yosuke uh yaguchi sort of have a a culmination which is like really beautiful like the way that it evolves is is like him drawing them having like a nude model of themselves and drawing themselves and then him realizing how weak he's become and how fragile he is. And Yaguchi is like always trying to do good and always trying to be a nice person. But here, he, here is uh, Yuji is, is clearly in distress and clearly needs someone. And then even though at this point he has got one of the most important things in his life, which is this university exam, the second stage, which is already hard to get to, like, is he willing to sacrifice potentially failing his university degree? or his like future in order to save a friend and obviously you as the as the audience want to be like yes yeah, save him like go and save him like you need to save this person who is your friend for a long time and got you into blah 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 but then he's also like i i can't sacrifice my my dreams for your you for you right there and it culminates this beautiful like uh analogy which is like you will always throw the lifeboat you will never jump in and save a drowning person and it i i just thought that like that was such a beautiful like way of describing his character and it that i is makes this ag- agreed with you duncan my favorite si- show this season absolutely can't recommend the show enough i i don't i don't know how you <laughs> you feel but like yeah i no, it's, it's 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 a great show and i i it's messy and i mm. think the the fact that it's it's humans are messy is good because um, people are <laughs> you you don't get clean easy. We've just been talking about messy stories, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's good. I I also find as a side note, it's really weird that there's like so the last stage of this inter- test exam is uh, nude drawing, and then the <laughs> art that's produced is hyper realistic, but it's still in the anime world. So it's like so then what what is the what is the character like? that's almost what i was talking about at the very start to this andy it's almost like i would watched this show and had thought about what to say mm, mm, mm. i don't believe you it was kind of amusing that it they did the typical thing of of like here's here's your nude model but no no nipples it's just like if you, if you do it's like come on this is just an art model for fuck's sake people have been everyone here is drawing nudes just I mean, 
Broadcast standards are broadcast yeah. standards. I like that better than the Austin Powers method of just like putting like palm fronds in front. As someone who's watching Evangelion, it's funny, but it's not good as like a, a pervasive strategy. Agreed. Uh, <sighs> and and I, it, I mean, it's not at all. It's the one case where you're like, it's not sexualized, but it didn't bother me in the slightest. I was like, it. You don't. You're not watching this show for the tits. You're watching this for the like the complex story arcs. <laughs> yeah. It was is. Once again, nice to have a show without fan service. It it's, mm. it's, shouldn't have to say it, but so often, like, like it's like, oh yeah, no fan service. Wow, that was nice. Yeah. Uh. Again, my my only problem is that it is so. Rote, like, as far as the animation styling goes, it's kind of just so rote. Like directorially, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything special or interesting because it felt it didn't have the money for it. That was kind of a. A misstep, but it doesn't care because the actual quality of the show and the story and what you learn from it is so much, is so great that it made me want to come back every week. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. That's that's good to hear. Let's take a break and then we'll do a lightning round for the rest of the shows this season and we'll wrap it up there. And we're back, and this is the lightning round, and I mean that in terms of actually going fast and not us just saying lightning round and then talking for 10 minutes about every single anime. So to start, Mirko, Mirko-chan, Jeff, Mirko. Mirko-chan. Mirko-chan. Uh, okay, the fun anime name to say that is about a girl who gets the power to see ghosts and spends the entire season actively not doing anything about it. Um on one level, it is kind of entertaining that that is probably how you would feel if you were suddenly thrust into that world. As a TV show, it is not very entertaining. Uh, they sort of suggest that towards the end, she will start actively taking a role and solving ghost problems like the like Book of Friends. But that is a completely hypothetical because they spent 12 episodes of her pretending not to see all the fucking ghosts. And it sucked. I hate it. <laughs> Huh, okay. Well, moving on, we are going to talk about Annoying Senpai then, and I have similar complaints in that uh, the show gets points for advancing farther than your typical love comedy anime goes by having, in the first episode, one character confess to the other that she wants to be his wife, um, or at least in so many words, and then the remaining uh, 11 episodes involve no forward movement whatsoever, just keeping with the same status quo that she is small and kind of childlike, but also super plucky and ambitious. And he is easygoing, but also like brash and with an easy charisma. And they just never quite connect. And meanwhile, the rest of the ensemble just withers. The uh, the, the much praised vodka joke from the first episode, that character appears like four times in the fucking show. I don't know why she gets like so much screen time in the OP. It doesn't seem fair. It seems almost deceptive. Um, I didn't hate my time. If there was more of it, I would think seriously about watching it. But as it was, I think it it pretended to more forward momentum than it ever had an interest in acquiring, and that was a little bit frustrating by the end. I, good art, though. Um, good jokes. The end. I did appreciate fun. that. It, I, yeah, the OP is great. I also appreciate that it sort of put forward the idea that you can have a romantic comedy with no forward momentum featuring adults <laughs> in a workplace. And 
the workplace mattering as much as a high school does in a given high school anime. And fair, if yeah. if more shows could do that, that would be just fine by me. But what <laughs> I mean, Jeff, watch Watakoi. You know, I did. I thing. liked it. Yeah. It's 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 a it's 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 only like a half point lower than Watakoi. They're basically the same show. Yeah, like honestly, the, the, really. The, the, I mean, on one hand, I kind Duncan of grimaced at that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of appreciate that he did, did. You know, they did not get into a relationship because, like, she he's kind of her boss, and so that would be kind of weird. <laughs> Like I, I imagined a future version of the show where like she is like, you know, standing on her own two feet and, you know, is in no way responsible to him anymore. And then he just immediately like invites her out to dinner for reels. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> so what's top tier anime for these kind of shows then, Ben? I'll put you on the spot now. <laughs> in, term, in, terms of, in terms of love comedies or workplace love comedies? Uh, Gretzko. Work, <laughs> Gretzko 4 was this show only good. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess Gretzko, Wotakoi, um Not- working if you count working. I count working. But working also, I didn't like working until they actually had an ending in the third season. Like that was the thing <laughs> that hung me up with working is like this is just a holding pattern and I can't believe they've done two fucking whole seasons of this holding pattern. And the third season's like cleaning up loose ends and that's what I want. I want there to be forward momentum and I know that's not how these these shows are structured, but it still bugs me. <laughs> and I have a podcast, so I can talk about it. You can afford momentum. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Is it Banished Hero? All right. Banished um, Hero. Banished Hero is King's ranking, but sucks. Um, it's <laughs> the art sucks. The action sucks. The I stuck with it <laughs> because I kind of. And I don't even know why I stuck with it. It's bad. Don't watch it. It's the, the <laughs> dumb idiot decides to have a crap job in stupid town, and then a bunch of fantasy bullshit happens, and it's it sucks. Don't watch it. Uh, next show, Taisho Otome. Uh, this the show it's that again. it's a uh, uh, like a revisionist history of how being a child bride isn't so bad. Um, they. <laughs> It's set in the Taisho era. I think there is like heavy, heavy, like uh, rose colored glasses of this whole era in anime in general. Um, You know, this, you know, a boy is banished to the countryside by his dipshit father. You know, his dipshit father buys him a wife to take care of him. And then they connect on, you know, make the human bonds, do the anime thing. You know, make friends with all the people in town. There's a big disaster at the end. It makes it brings them closer together. And as long as you just overlook the whole like indentured servitude, child bride angle, like it's kind of nice, but it's kind of hard to do that. So I don't recommend it. <laughs> Hashtag anime. Yeah. Uh, well, Lupin. Lupin the Third is a genre unto itself. It's just so self confident and so very much. Every actor uh, has been playing that that character for years now. Just knows them in now. Just hundred inhabits it perfectly. It's just you're. It's like you're hanging out with them because there's there's no artifice to it. It feels just so natural because they've got the chemistry just hundred percent nailed on, and so it can do kind of crazy things because it, it it doesn't have to sell the realism because it already has the characters. And this season, we got um, two Oshi episodes, two one-off Oshi episodes. One I mentioned previously was a short retake on the the Killers short story, where basically you have a load of hitmen in a bar, and what happens when everyone in in there is every single customer is a hitman, and 
And then we get a story later on about a thief being hired to steal a skeleton of Archaeopteryx from the British Library, and it turning and mm. this whole discussion about is it a fake because there was a the same person supplied the British Museum with lots of its uh, things, and then it turning out in fact maybe God was uh, is behind this this thing, and it is is kind kind of crazy and kind of. Uh, off the wall, all having a thief do a heist for God. Um, it, it it kind of remain, reminded me of um, this old film, Angel Heart, and and that, uh, but obviously God instead of the devil. Um, but that whole and thief instead of Private Dick. But that 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 whole whole genre thing, like just very 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 much in at home in its genre and just having fun with it. And yeah, if you if you like this kind of gentleman thief stuff, you'll have a great time with Lupin. If not, well, what's wrong with you? Uh, yeah, I mean they are perfect. They, they it's fun and great that there are characters that are this old and beloved and renowned in like anime circles and the anime as a whole industry. That Lupin is like the ground zero for so much and the fact that it's still going and it's still as good is really lovely to see um anyway uh moving on to my two hot fires um i forgot one uh inazuma delivery is uh a weird short made by the people who did um fuck what's it called uh like two rabbits uh usovic uh and which is like a weird short thing it's the same weird shortness that you get if you've watched Usovic. It's very funny. Uh, that's all I have to say. The other thing I have to say is Muv Love Alternative. Uh, I did watch all of that. I actually really liked it. I was surprised. Uh, I I know you put you put a very high ranking of interest on on the spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, I or, Dunk, or Jeff did it for you. I guess <laughs> no, it's actually it's Jeff. Jeff. Uh, I mean Jeff's my true booster. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I was like going in apprehensive and I felt that they did a really good job of making the show interesting uh, as to, to sort of quick, quick plot synopsis. It's about um, a guy who, uh, fuck, sorry, uh, quick plot synopsis. It's about a guy called uh, Takaru who, um, has lived another life in a very peaceful world and then gets thrown into a different world where these things called beaters have attacked and destroyed the planet. Only thing is, this is the second time that's happened, so he's already had one history of beaters destroying the planet and this planet, this project called Alternative 5 uh, is launched, which um, launches a rocket to space with everybody who's important inside, leaving the rest of humanity uh, on the Earth to perish to the beta. Um, which are just like stupid, dumb aliens to the point that they, they look like video game characters. They're really fucking stupid if you look at them. They don't make any sense. Anyway, um, so he's now given like his second chance, as it were, and he tries to stop the Alternative 5 from happening and instead progress with Alternative 4, which is another project that um, in this world, uh, Yuko, who in the previous world was his teacher and is now like some crazy scientist, uh, was is undertaking in order to save the world and actually like the first seven episodes is a pretty solid like dumb sci-fi sort of uh 
Steins Gate-esque level of ridiculous plot uh, where he eventually like goes to another, goes to his old life, hands the professor some notes written by the professor in the other world so that they can crack this like uh, this problem together so that the alternate uh, alternative four can happen. And then episode eight literally starts with um, it, a shot of like the uh, the Japanese uh, parliamentary building like being ramshacked with military military personnel and then like a bunch of dead bodies and then it just goes on this wild like action thing for the next seven eight episodes which kind of has no bearing on what happened before and it is just this it starts off and you're like what the fuck is going on it's really confusing it then this is where i was like i don't know whether this is this is so good i don't know whether i could like this as much because it introduces all these characters that you're meant to have known about and cared about. And you're like, who, 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 who are all of these motherfuckers? And it doesn't really tell you. It doesn't really let you know. And then it resolves in a way that is actually quite important to um, a character called Mayo, who's like one of the main characters, her backstory, um, which is also equally as dumb, revolving around identical sisters and the... Uh, the shogunate of Japan um, being one of the identical sisters and her being raised as a body double. And it's really dumb, but it manages to land a sweet note on at least Maya's arc. And then it ends. And now I've been led to believe there's a second season. So I actually quite liked it. I actually thought it was quite good. Um, I am a big fan of uh, Mav Love anyway. So maybe I was always predisposed to liking this, but I felt that they did a pretty decent job with the limited budget and time that they got to sort of adapt a pretty renowned uh, visual novel. Uh, I'm probably going to play the visual novel between now and the second season and see how it holds Mm. up. Uh, So yeah, I would actually, for now, pensively give it a big thumbs up and then we'll see if the second season really manages to land it. Because I was reading comments that they were not so strong. They were not so happy about it at all. Um, but I feel that as a as a pure anime watch, it's fine. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, Duncan, the second season of 86. Does your opinion hold, hold strong from the previous? I've, I've got my, my, my sort of one line note about 86 is that 86 is basically what happens when the author of the work thinks, wow, cool robot. And like there's there's all this this world building, and they've put it out there like you've got it's like quasi French republics, you've got like almost Weimar Germany, you've got all these these alternate history shenanigans and social oppression and such going on. But honestly, all their season two is actually interested in exploring is what if they fought a super tank. It's that, that that that's that's season two. I was hoping that maybe we'll get a bit more politic in, but no, super tank, and that's all I have to say on eighty six. I'm afraid it it's also it sounds like Valkyria Chronicles, honestly. Super thanks to the <laughs> yeah, super and tank. honestly, it its budget kind of tanked for big sections of of the season as well, um, which is not good. But I don't know, like whether they can. 
I don't think it's like something I'll I'll stick with for a third season because they're clearly just more interested in in doing cool spider tank shenanigans than they are uh, in doing any sort of um, world building. Although I still want to know if the, if if the fact they they they, they decided one of the the characters decided to name herself the the bloody queen and uh lead a sort of proletariat revolution against her, her like eugenically minded society is kind of of amusing to me because you it's kind of makes a bit lafayette-ish and, and then like having just listened to so much of the revolutions i'm sort of like going have you made like a a, a lafayette in uh, thigh highs and like just it's, it's kind of strange for me but it, i i just want the these rep the rev story of the revolution not the story of the crack spider tank team and i'm not going to get that so i think it's it's time to stop deluding myself and move on cool okay well that just speaking of delusions or maybe lack thereof i guess do we want to go back to haiki for a second the haiki monogatari um you said that you had some some more to say I mean, all all I have to say is that everyone should watch it. I love Haiki Monogatari. I think of that last scene of them rewinding the tape so that the flowers jump back onto the tree branch, and that is mm. a beautiful encapsulation of Buddhist thought. And it's a it really does feel like a show that honestly engages with its themes and how like it never really pulls its punches to to make a happier world than the one that happened or the one that they're talking about. So I just I could talk endlessly about it. I think it's beautiful. I can't wait till someone puts it on Blu-ray so I can buy it. Uh, just going to go full corpo there, yeah. I guess. Uh, okay. Well, uh, next episode, two weeks from now, you can hear us talking about the beginning of the winter 2022 anime season. I may not be watching any any anime. I will be watching Magic Knight Ray Earth. Um, so, <laughs> so that'll be cool. Um, but no, maybe I'll watch the dress up, darling. It seems good. I like I like shows where people do stuff. It seems like your uh, perfect it's show just... where it's a person who's very good at an obscure Japanese thing and then a gal. It's like a gal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's just the genre that they that they made for me. I mean, yeah. how's the how's the how's the eyebrow game in the show, Andy? Uh, yeah, that's, I... that's cool. Do you have a girl with like it... nice, like fat eyebrows? It has, has the has the word darling in it. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah. so you must. I'm love so it sad for... that they're making another Urusayatsu. I'm just gonna be trapped in this hell space forever. <laughs> it uh, looks good though, no, man. It looks, like, it looks good. I'm tempted. I looks might... like everyone has very thin, sharp eyebrows in this anime. Maybe they, not. They, they <laughs> so far, like, like so the... far they do. Yes, it's very much. I like the goth slowly girl. She looks good though. Uh, anyway, okay, okay, I'm it's... down. I need to watch one anime, otherwise I don't get to participate in my own podcast. So. <laughs> I mean, Princess Connect season two is okay. happening if you watch that. I'm not, I'm not watching Princess Connect, Andy. Sorry. You can't pitch it as well enough to make me care about no, it. No. I refuse. Okay. So rate and review, subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions. KeyframesPodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what anime I should watch. <laughs> Except for the guy that wanted me to... Uh, to watch Girlfriend, Girlfriend. Sorry, I let you down. And I know that, and I think about it often, but I'm not going to watch Girlfriend, Girlfriend. <laughs> uh, no matter how much it makes Andy laugh. And most of all, tell a friend. Don't tell any friend. Uh, tell the friend who would also want to watch Girlfriend, Girlfriend. And... <laughs> so no friend, yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.